Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I am your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Sydney, uh, we are getting ready to take off uh, for a flight to Boston tomorrow. That's true. We are not packed. Mm -mm. I'm still a little sick. Yep. Uh, Nothing's ready. Nothing's ready, but you know what? We Charlie's packed. She's on top of things. Yeah. (laughs) She's an efficient almost two-year-old. Uh, but we, uh, we didn't want to leave you all hanging. So, uh, we are here to once again, answer your medical questions. I'm using we very loosely here. Uh, cause, uh, well, uh, and to be fair, you're using medical questions very loosely too. That's uh, yes, absolutely. Sydney. That's a good point. Uh, uh, we wanted to, uh, answer some of your queries to the best of our abilities. Some of them are very, uh, goofy. Um, and and in general, here. of course, as always, this is not a medical advice show. Hopefully, if you listen, you know that by now. Right. And if you've been doing any of the things I talk about on the show, well, I'm very sorry to your family. I assume you're no longer with us. And I'm just shooting these at Sydney. So uh, okay. yeah, keep in mind that, of course, if there's a real doctor's appointment, she would like read books to give you the absolute right answer. So she's just <laughs> going to take them off the cuff. I just, well, I, you think I make it up? Yeah, just kind of make it up. This is what you're going to be doing. You just know how to find things in books also, like if you weren't sure right. about things. You know, you, so what you're saying is that I don't know everything. You know, ev- okay, moving on. <laughs> uh, let's just get into it, Sid. What do you think? That, let's go for it. Okay. Our first question comes to us from Gina, who asks, is it safe to eat moldy food after the mold part has been removed? Justin can tell you that questions about like how old or bad food can be and be safely consumed are i am not the best person to necessarily weigh in on it sydney loves old stuff (laughs) she loves it i just i just okay first of all some things when they sit for a while the flavors really like meld together when we first started dating oh no the first times we got pizza (laughs) i we had finished the pizza for the night and still had about a half a pizza left over. This is not my fault. This was this is, was passed on to me. And it's Sid- a family tradition. And Sydney uh, said, well, I, I was trying to make room in the fridge. And Sydney said, well, we just leave it in the oven. And I said, what did you say? <laughs> she said, we just leave it in the oven. And I said, overnight? Like, um, no, that's the danger zone between 40 degrees and 140 degrees is a danger zone. And if you leave stuff in there for more than four hours, you're like out of luck. Uh, over with. To be fair, it's what my mommy and daddy taught me because they always did that and I didn't die. 
Uh, also, you had a food handler's license, and I was not yet a doctor. So fair. Okay, fair dinkum. Uh, but Cindy, is it safe to eat moly food after the moly part has been removed? So, my I'd I'd say that the straight up answer is if there's mold on your food, you probably want to eat other food. Um, have I pulled mold off of bread and eaten the rest of the bread? Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Is it likely that you're going to get super sick or that you're going to die? No, probably not. But if mold's growing on it, then it's fair to say other things could be growing on it that you can't necessarily see. And it's important to remember that, you know, the that first little speck of mold that starts to grow on something is microscopic. As it gets bigger, you see the mold, but like, I don't know. Ew, I didn't know that. You probably, you probably need to... You probably need to eat other food. Ew, grody. That's probably the safer answer there. Grody. All and, right. you know, usually it's just like the pieces of bread on the outside. You can just throw those away and, like, eat the other bread. Um, now, we are uh, we have some other questions from Gina, and they are all pretty good. So let's just keep... Yeah, she had a lot of good questions. Keep the Gina portion going. Is there a real name for the skin on your elbow? Now, this question confused me a little because, first of all, Justin, is there an, a fake name or a silly name or some there, sort of I don't fun know name? A fun, funky nickname for the skin on your elbow now. You need to, okay, I'm going to tell you about the skin on your elbow and you need to look right now and tell me if there is some sort of. Okay, got it. Justin, is this, this is a, our hit segment. Justin searches the internet. Yeah, is there a, okay. Let me so, Google that. Is that what it's called? Justin Googles it? Justin Googles it. Justin Googles the, whatever the the fun name is for the skin on your elbow, because apparently this is something I'm not hip enough to know about. So the skin on your elbow uh, in, I mean, we don't, we we would call it your elbow, like the skin on your elbow. I, we would not, I, it is, I don't think it's common among physicians to use any special term. Uh, you could, I guess, if you wanted to call it the olecranon skin, because that is what that area is. See, olecranon. Uh, so you could say that if you wanted to, but I, I would say that if I were describing it, I would just say the skin over the patient's elbow. <laughs> uh, the Okay, so many claim that uh, a name for the, this is coming straight to you from Urban Dictionary, that that uh, skin uh, uh, under your elbow, the flap of skin under your elbow is called the weenus. What? W-E-E-N-I-S. That is not what I would have thought that word was referring to. And then um, Urban Dictionary says it's called the olecranal skin. Olecranon. Olecranon. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. I said that wrong. But weenus. Weenus is the sign. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Thank you again, I just learned something, too. I just learned something, too. All right. Another one. I would love to hear Dr. McElroy weigh in on the squatty potty. Actually, I would love to hear Mr. McElroy, too. That's me. The reviews at Amazon.com are hilarious, uh, hilarious enough that I want to buy one. So we have a squatty potty. We have a squatty potty. Now, let me tell you this. If you're not familiar with the squatty potty, do you want to describe what the squatty potty it's, is? Uh, it was on Shark Tank, and it's a... Mm, it's a little footstool. It's a little footstool that you use while you... Squatty on the potty. Squatty on the potty. It, I it's mean, to help your posture. For pooping to make it like more how the animal, like our animal ancestors do it. <laughs> so you, so you squatty more. Yes, you squatty instead more instead of sit. I, I don't. Okay, I don't know that there have been big giant trials of this to like see this versus people sitting on the toilet regularly and and how they did. I'm sure that there is some uh, science of some sort behind it. It makes sense to me. 
that that position would be healthier for you. That is not like a new revelation for uh, for the squatty potty, the makers of the squatty potty. There are other parts of the world where it is standard that you squat when you sure. go number two. Mm-hmm. So I think it makes sense. I think that it from that from that standpoint, just anatomically, yeah, it probably is a more comfortable way to go to the bathroom. Not more comfortable. A more efficient way to okay, go to the bathroom. I'll let that slide. It ain't Perhaps. more comfortable. I don't. I think you can still poop sitting. Like if you don't want to buy a squatty potty, I think you're fine. I don't think you're gonna die if you don't get one. Uh, it makes sense to me. Um, I am not going to weigh in personally on my experience with a squatty potty because I don't. I can't. I just can't. Call me never, a prude. Call me uptight. I never use the bathroom. I've. Like n- that, I just so. can't talk about my own bathroom functions. On the internet, sorry. Justin, uh, do you want to share? Uh, I don't use it, even though we keep it at the toilet. I don't use it because we only have one, and I use the both of our bathrooms. So it seems to me that I wouldn't be getting any benefit from using it half the time. So I just use it none of the time. That's a crazy reason not to use it, by the way. Please give... This is the last one from Gina. Please give me your opinion on the five-second rule. So the... It's horse apples, right? I mean, that's horse yeah, apples. Yeah, it's... I, I, my, my opinion actually is backed up. There have been some studies done on this. People have actually researched the five-second rule. And if you're not familiar, which I mean, I, surely you are, but if you're not familiar, the five-second rule is the idea that if you drop a piece of food or like your fork or something on the ground and it's down there for less than five seconds before you pick it back up, then it's not dirty. You didn't get any germs on it, so you can eat it or keep using it or whatever. The fact is that... If there's going to be bacteria or whatever stuck to it, it's going to stick to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has a lot more to do with the surface that you drop it on, how damp it is, the temperature, that kind of thing, than it really does how long it's down there. I think Mythbusters did a thing on this. Yeah. They did like two seconds versus six seconds. It's all the same. It really doesn't matter. Now, as I've referenced before, do I eat things that I've dropped on the floor? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, we're pretty liberal about that kind of thing in this house. I don't really care. I would use a little common sense. When I am at work and I work in a hospital and I drop something on the floor in the hospital, I do not eat that off the floor. Right, yeah. So, you know, use a little common sense with that you one. You burn it. Uh, okay, here's some other people who sent in some questions. This one comes from Mindy and Annie who ask, how did UTIs not kill all women before antibiotics were a thing? They're so common. Did women die from them frequently? Or are they not as dangerous if left untreated as I think? Well, one one quick one quick point of clarification: we tend to associate, I think, UTIs with women because they are they do tend to be more frequent with women. Men can get urinary tract infections or UTIs, of course, mm-hmm. uh, but just because of so the most common bacteria that causes a urinary tract infection is E. coli. Now, where does E. coli live? If you think of the bug E. coli, what are you, what are you thinking of? Uh, poopy. Exactly, poop. So E. coli is from your butt, and if you think about the distance between the urethra, depending on mm-hmm. what genitalia is, is downstairs, it's just a little easier for. Uh, for the bacteria to traverse that path. So that's why you get this association of urinary tract infections and uh, women, but that's not necessarily true, okay. just just to kind of throw that out there. But you're right, we do get them more frequently. Um, in terms of any infections before the antibiotic era, which was just the 1940s, that's not that long ago. Yeah, it's wild. It really isn't. That's when penicillin came first and all the antibiotics came since then. 
people probably died a lot of these kinds of infections. Mm -hmm. Not, you know, urinary tract infections for sure, because you can become septic from those. Uh, but any kind of infection was a was often followed by death. Now, what it reminds us, though, is that, of course, not everyone who got a urinary tract infection died. Our bodies have the ability to fight off bacterial infections. Mm-hmm. So there were plenty of women who got, and men, who got urinary tract infections, got sick, didn't know why, and got better. Mm-hmm. And today... If we felt like being, I don't know, if I felt like being a bad doctor, I guess I could look at patients and say, I'm going to give some of you antibiotics and some of you not because some of you are going to live anyway. That would be crazy. I would never do that. Right, I'd be a really be bad doctor. Bad doctor, I think. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. I think I would probably not get to be a doctor very long if I did that. Sure. But if you didn't, if you got a urinary tract infection and you didn't take antibiotics, you still might fight it off and be okay. It's just why take that chance now? Yeah. Now we have them. They work. Sure. They make you better. UTIs suck. So let's just fix them. So let's just fix them. Uh, Nick has a question, and Nick says, Every now and then, I get really gassy in my stomach to the point of pain. The only relief is to make myself burp over and over again to vent out the gas. Being an engineer, a thought occurred to me. What if I could open a release valve? Basically, I wondered if there was such a thing as esophageal intubation. If I swallowed a medical-grade tube, such as... <laughs> If I saw the I medical love this, I love this question. Tube, I don't even such that one end was in my stomach and one was outside my mouth. Would that vent the burp gas? Would I be able to breathe? Would it hurt me to pull it back out again? Is anything like this ever done? And why do I get sudden burp attacks anyway? Um there's medicine for this, friendo. Just take some first off, All try right. some medicine. Try some ginger. Some ginger might help. Nick, I think you're making things a little too complicated, my man. Yeah. Let me tell you this first of all. So, why do you burp? Are you, I don't know. Well, you got awfully defensive there. Yeah, you're just looking at me like I'm the doctor on the show. I don't know. I, I do know. You just because you got excess gas and you're getting it out. Well, you, it's usually from swallowing air. Okay. That's why you burp. Okay. That's different than when it comes out the other end. Yeah. But, but you, you didn't swallow it and it got all the way down there. But burping is usually swallowed air from while you're eating, while you're talking, while you're chewing gum, whatever, and it's got to make its way back out. And guess what? You already have a release valve. It's, you know, your lower esophageal sphincter and then your esophagus and then so burping. your mouth. It's burping. It's burping. That is the release valve, man. Our bodies are pretty smart and they're made for that. So burping is to get rid of that ex- excess air. And you know, it comes up a little bit at a time because the bottom of your esophagus, what, I'm, what I reference, the lower esophageal sphincter, is tight. So, like, everything can't just go through there all at once. I, yes, theoretically, if you put a tube through there, air would definitely come through your stomach, right directly through that tube and up out of your mouth. Um, we can do things like that. We have tubes like that. They're oh, called they oral. got tubes. Listen, yeah, we got Nick, tubes. Don't get it twisted. The problem is not that they don't have tubes. Okay, they've got tubes. We have tubes called orogastric tubes. We have tubes called nasogastric tubes, and both of those tubes go either from your mouth or your nose into your stomach, and they're used to decompress if somebody has a bunch of air and their bowels aren't working, fun- like they're not functioning properly. We can do that to release the air back up through your mouth take the pressure off so like you stop vomiting, which is usually the symptoms that you're having. So we have a way to do that. But for for common use, just for regular burping purposes, 
your mouth and your esophagus have got it covered. Uh, why do you burp? I don't do. We all burp. Everybody burps. It's okay. It could have to do with the food that you're eating, if you're or if you're drinking something like carbonated, or if you're uh, eating really quickly. You know, those, those could be reasons. Chew, chew, chew till you get to 22. Yeah. Yes. E- swallowing big gulps of food, not chewing enough, that kind of thing. Uh, but then some people just burp. It's okay. It's okay. Don't, don't engineer this. First of all, we've already made it. And secondly, you're, you're create, you could be creating problems. Let your body do the trick. All right. We got one from Jen who asks, why is my toddler's poop black? Could it be the pounds of blueberries he's eating? So toddler's poop, baby poop can come in a myriad of colors, some of them quite lovely, to be frank. And I think it's just a reminder that, one, you gave your daughter that wild and reckless flavor of sherbet Mm -hmm. from Baskin-Robbins again. At least that's usually the reminder for me. Um, And two, that, you know, baby poop is just crazy. It's okay. It's It's probably black because of the blueberries. Uh, most of the time, especially with baby poop, it's, you know, green, yellow, blue, black, brown. It's yeah, okay. they're all over the spectrum. Yeah, of baby poop is all over the place. Uh, really, our, my daughter's poop, Charlie's poop was green the other day, but it was a beautiful shade of green. It was like uh, the crown, the tropical green crown. You know what I'm talking about? I can't do it's this It's like a you. tropical jungle green. I'm not doing it this It had a you. blue tint to it. It was a it, really the color of, of her poop. I would happily paint a wall in my house that color. Okay, all right. Listen, you know what? I'm taking the reins. We're going to the billing department. But I'm seriously, seriously, as long as your baby's doing okay, then that's finally That's, that's it. probably fine. Nope, probably you fine. lost. Sorry, you're off the show right now. I'm just now. saying it was a beautiful shade of... I almost saved it for you, but... Let's go. You don't seem interested. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although 
there will be some Wendy's consumed, but we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat, delicious meals right to your door, and not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real, high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes, you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week, I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got like fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From 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 a, a box pre-prepared? All I got in two minutes? I mean, filet mignon? That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or clean up. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Uh, Sydney, how about another question? Let's go. How would you enjoy that? Uh, here it is. It comes from Corden, who asks, one question I have is, how much does staring at a computer screen or phone screen really strain your eyes? Is it something older people say to deter me, or is it legit? Now, before you get into the medicine of this, I would like to answer my personal like testimonial Um I uh, work on the internet and stare at a computer screen a lot every day when I'm not staring at a computer screen. A lot of times I'm staring at a TV as I review a video game. And I have to say, I started using um, anti-glare glasses uh, many, many years ago. And there is a palpable difference for me, like 100%... palpable difference when I'm using uh, the, the the sorts of lenses. Um, you could pay a lot for them. You can get actually pretty affordable pairs off Amazon. Um, but uh, I, I have noticed a change for myself. It has been really helpful. Justin, you noticed that change because there is, there is a problem with staring at screens all day. Absolutely. Y- you can find a lot of talk about computer vision syndrome, which is really like a, a collection of different problems that you can have with your eyes mm-hmm. uh, related to the fact that many of us spend a lot of time staring at computer screens and phone screens these days. And it has to do with the, the kind of information, the, the amount of um, kind of detailed information that we're taking in from a computer screen or a phone screen for our eyes as well as the light from mm-hmm. the computer. So you, yes, it, it, it can damage your eyes. And when I say damage your eyes, I mean, cause you problems that can range from just, you know, itching, tearing, uh, pain, uh, that kind of thing. I think, I think I even have developed some of that actually, uh, to some more serious vision problems. There are some recommendations. One thing Justin mentioned to, to limit that are the glasses that he wears that reduce that reduce glare? Gamma ray uh, flexite is the are, is the type uh, of them that I use. They're reading glasses, but you can get them with zero magnification. They're like eighteen bucks a pair on Amazon. I've been using those for a few months. I used to use a much more expensive pair, but I kept losing them. So uh, you can also um, use things to reduce the glare from your screen. That can help. Um, I found something called the twenty 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 rule, 
which a lot of eye doctors, ophthalmologists, and optometrists will recommend, which means that for every 20 minutes you spend staring at a screen, you should look away at something in the distance, like something about 20 feet away for about 20 seconds, Mm -hmm. and then resume your work. Uh, And that can help reduce eye strain as well. And Anytime that you do not, you know, if you do spend your whole day staring at a computer screen, I would try to limit the amount of time you then spend staring at your phone mm-hmm. for fun, uh, especially during the work week. You know, maybe give your eye, give your eyes a break from that during the work week. Look at your phone a little bit more on the weekend. Uh, but th- this definitely is a problem. Not necessarily related to uh, this isn't necessarily about eye strain, but there are also um, uh, 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 programs you can get and settings like uh, there's something called Flux. Uh, on the Mac and uh, iPhone has built some functionality called Night Shift that can activate in the evening to reduce the amount of blues, uh, which is in your screen, uh, which is supposed to affect your circadian rhythms. Hmm. Um, so not necessarily eye strain. You can keep those programs on constantly, though, if you if you would like to do that, which might help. I also saw a recommendation uh, that you could put a post-it note on your computer screen that says blink on it to remind you to blink really? more often so that uh, to reduce eye strain which i have to assume was put there you know by, by the, the weeping angels yeah the weeping angels want you to by the weeping angels the put weeping, that there for yeah. you no the doctor would not put that, that there the weeping angel put the post it note on your screen that said blink so don't trust that don't trust that it's a trap uh Joel says your show is so great I always laugh and learn new things. Why did you put that part in? I was just copying the whole question over. You didn't have to read that part. Well, now I have to. Your show is so great. <laughs> I always laugh and learn new things when I listen. <laughs> Sydney wanted to make sure everybody knew that. I did it. I just copied that. I just was copying the whole question over. My question to you is this. Is holding in your sneezes really as bad as it's purported? And is it bad like holding in a fart? I think what's interesting about this question, Joel, let me let me give you the skinny on this. Holding in your sneezes is probably not a good idea. Now, I do it. A lot of us do. I don't I just don't especially in my line of work, if I'm in the room with a patient and then I like let out a big sneeze, oh, I feel whatever. like they're I, just I blast it. I have to get it out there. See, it feels so good. I feel like my patients feel like, well, now don't touch me. You know, if I sneeze, and then I have to be like, no, it's just allergies, really. Please, I'm fine. But while most of the time, if you hold in a sneeze, you're going to be fine. I mean, for the, for the vast majority of the time, you're going to be fine. In theory, yes, holding in a sneeze could cause things as simple and, and no big deal as, let's say, like a burst blood vessel in your eye. So you get like that little subconjunctival hemorrhage, you know, so you get, mm-hmm. it looks like you've got a bloody eye, but it doesn't hurt. It doesn't do anything. It goes away. It could be something that minor. But then you read about things like ruptured eardrums and aneurysms popping and things those are probably flukes those are probably situations where there was some sort of illness underlying condition that the person didn't know about they held in a sneeze there you go uh you read this stuff that is very rare but all things being equal if you got a sneeze you got a sneeze just sneeze right it's fine now if you if you do press and a lot of people do this you kind of put your finger like make a fake mustache press on your upper lip do you know what i'm talking about yeah you press the bridge of your nose Exactly. Septum? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if you if you apply pressure to your upper lip there, it's really to, that's what you're really talking about, not your nose. Oh, okay. It's really your upper I mean, that's where that's where you need to apply the pressure. That really will stop a sneeze. And that's not the same as holding one in. No. That once it starts, you can't stop it. You cannot stop a sneeze once it has started. So if you've if you think you've stopped it, it just hadn't started yet. Just mm. a little fact for you. 
But if you apply pressure there because of the because of the physiology of a sneeze, because a lot of that impulse is an irritant in the nasal passageways that is being transmitted up through uh, nerve endings in the nose as well as in the facial nerves. Okay. If you apply pressure to those facial nerves there in your in your um, upper lip and then at the base of your nose, it actually send, it like interrupts the signal. It blocks the sneeze signal. Weird. So if you get it in there fast enough, you can block the sneeze signal. There is no sneeze. That really does work if you get there quick enough. As far as holding in a fart, <laughs> just to flip this on you, I don't know why you think it's bad. It's probably not. Probably. Uh, it, well, here's the thing. It's going to come out eventually, guys. And if you if you don't put it at your butt, it's going to come out your mouth. No, nope, that, no, mm, no, that's not. not one in. No, no that's not a thing. It's just going to come out eventually. So, if you're lucky, it'll be a burp. No. Otherwise, you get eye farts, ear farts. You no, no, that's not. No, those are not things. It'll seep out your pores. No, it'll just like it'll come out your. Cologne. It's just going to come out your butt later. Nick asks, hypothetically speaking, if I took a lot of vitamins and mineral supplements and ate nothing but say kelp for two thousand calories, would I be healthy? And that I mean, Nick, let me ask you this: what What does your heart tell you, Nick? Because my heart says that you probably would not be. That's Nick. Let me give you the short answer first. No. The long answer to that is there are things in food that you need that are beyond vitamins and minerals, beyond things that you can get in supplements. There's all kinds of other, um, you know, fiber, for instance, and, and uh, you know, phyto, phyto minerals and things that you like you need that are in actual like the substance of food that you can't get in a pill. So no, you would not be healthy. I would never recommend doing this. It's actually too a lot of the vitamins they've they've looked at head to head. Are you how do you absorb it better? Are you better getting this from food or are you better getting it in a pill? Most vitamins, our bodies are just better at absorbing it from food. There are a couple that you can safely supplement, especially B vitamins for people who have certain dietary limitations or things they just choose not to eat. Um, it is okay, and we actually absorb fairly well in in pill form. Uh, so if you need them, most people don't, but if you need them. That would be okay, but the vast majority of vitamins and minerals, you're just better off getting from food. And food's delicious. Yeah, food's great. Catch the wave of food. Uh, here's another question, Sydney, for you. We're, we're running short on time, but I want to get one more in. Uh, Garrett says, I'm 18. I get pimples all the time. I got into a bad habit of popping them. Is that really as bad as people say it is, or is that just something to scare teenagers? Yeah, Garrett, I hate to I hate to break this. I feel like this is like a crossover to still buffering. <laughs> uh, how to how to not acne? You you really shouldn't pop your pimples. There it is. So the thing is, our hands are dirty. Not yours, Garrett. I don't mean your hands are dirty. I mean like all of our hands. Our hands have bacteria on them. It's called original sin, Garrett. Hold <laughs> no, on, sit no, down for a second. Let no. me explain to you. <laughs> no, our our hands are dirty, and when you start squeezing on your face, a couple things happen. One, you got these these bacteria on your hands that can get in your pores, get on your face. So that's bad. Um, two, you're applying like mechanical pressure and damaging those cells around the area. And if you've ever noticed, and I have had pimples in my life, and I have squeezed pimples in my life in my younger days. If you ever notice, when you really mash at a zit for a while, mm -hmm. it usually looks a lot worse. It looks way more inflamed, mm -hmm. swollen. Uh, the hole that was there before is usually much bigger now. 
uh, which are all just signs of kind of the uh, the mechanical damage you've done to your skin. If you started to use your nails, now you've done like some tearing. Uh, and again, you've introduced more bacteria to the site. It, it's just not a good plan. Don't pop your pimples. They're not all going to scar. They, I, my, I remember somebody telling me that if you pop them, they'll scar. No, I don't mean that all of them will scar. Now you could, you could do enough damage that, that it could scar, but in general, it's just not the best way to treat pimples. So, uh, try to keep hands off. Justin, have I ever told you the story real quick about the time that my dad, when I was a teenager, I was in our bathroom and I was leaned over the sink, looking at my face real close in the mirror, like you do when you've got a lot of zits and you're, mm-hmm. you're analyzing them very closely, probably popping them like you're not supposed to do. And, uh, and I didn't have the greatest complexion. My dad came to the door, looked at me for a second, and then said, Hey, Sid, you'd be better off if you just took both of your hands and just squeeze your whole face. And he put both of his hands on each side of his face. Like kind of like a chubby bunny thing. So yeah. just kind of squeeze the whole thing at once and get it all out of there. No, that's not a good thing to say as a dad, right? To a teenage girl, no. That was a that was a bad. That job. was a bad. Bad <laughs> job. Bad. I think I think I cried and ran to my room and slammed the door and probably screamed like, "I hate you! I'm never coming out." But she did, folks, and I have proof because she's sitting across from me. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to listen to our show. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, if you did like it, could you leave us a uh, review on iTunes? Because um, that's the way people find out about our show. Uh, also, Sydney's got another show called Still Buffering that I think you'll really enjoy on iTunes that she does. She mentioned it earlier in the show. She Thank does you, with, Justin. With her sisters, Taylor and Riley, who are both very, very funny. And they talk about teen life, both today and of yesteryear. And uh, their new episode is about breakups. And you should check it out because you will have a very good time. Uh, while listening to it. So you can find that on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are sold and at MaximumFun.org, which is the name of our podcast network, uh, where there's a ton of shows that you will enjoy if you take the time to seek them out. Uh, I want to say thank you to the taxpayers for the use of their song Medicines, the intro and outro of our program. You can find their stuff on Bandcamp and buy it. There's a really good, actually, alternate version of Medicines that we use. Uh, like five seconds of in the the billing department. It's really good. I was listening to it a few days ago. It's great. Um, and uh, is there anything else you want to touch on, Sid? Oh, uh-huh. oh. We are working on my brother, my brother, and me, which is the other podcast that I do. Uh, is working on a card game expansion uh, for the card game Monikers, which is kind of like charades. It's really fun. But there are questions in it uh, that are Sawbones related. Uh, so the, the expansion is 10 bucks, uh, 35 bucks to get it with the original game. And if you never played it, Sydney, back me up. You don't even like games that much. I don't. Uh, Games make me very nervous because I like to be good at everything and I always worry that I won't be good at them. Monikers is a, is a really fun game. It is very not stressful for me (laughs) to play. And, uh, and you get to act out and, and try to get people to guess all of these funny things that are related to all of our shows, uh, but also Sawbones if you're a fan of this show, which is really cool. So, so really, it's a fun game. Uh, there are also questions about my sisters, which yeah. they're really excited about. You can find that at McElroyCollection.com, uh, and the, that's only going to be available by pre-order. So, uh, it's ten bucks. Go to Mac, uh, and it's only pre-order for like uh, a little less than a month. So, McElroy. M-C-E-L-R-O-Y collection.com. Folks, that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for listening. Um, And uh, until next week, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. 
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.